Next on BYUSN, was BYU football's performance against Oregon a trend or an anomaly? We'll discuss. What happened? Kalani Sitake, Jaron Hall, and ESPN's Trevor Maddich weigh in. I'm about to tell you what happened. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, September 19th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton. That is Jerem Jordan. On today's show, we break down BYU and Oregon. You'll hear from Kalani Stocky, <laughs> Jaron Hall, and ESPN's Trevor Maddich, as we mentioned. How the Cougars still stayed in the top 20. Moral victory. Is BYU by 22 and a half against Wyoming too high out of Vegas? And would you take a bowl game against Memphis right now? But first, today's headlines. Let's start this group therapy session. Okay. It does involve, you know, accepting reality. And reality is BYU <laughs> lost to Oregon 41 to 20. The then 25th ranked Ducks taking it to BYU. The Cougars drop from number 12 to number 19 in the latest AP poll as a result of that setback. Oregon, of note, up to number 15. Again, we'll discuss much more coming up in just a bit. Cougars in the NFL, what a crazy day it was overall. Tyler Algier had 10 carries for 30 yards and a loss to the Rams. Taysom Hill had 14 rushing yards against the Buccaneers. More from Cougars in the National Football League, including J-Swag Daddy, Jamal Williams. 53 rush yards, had seven receiving yards, and the Lions win over Dax Milne and the Washington Commanders. Milne had one catch. Yes, great game. One catch for six yards. Milne remains the primary kick and punt returner for the Commanders. He had a 19-yard punt return in yesterday's game. Pretty solid work. Fred Warner with three tackles and a 49ers win against Jerem Jordan's Seattle Seahawks. I can't wait for the 12th pick and get uh, Jaron Hall uh, with that. That would be great. 25th-ranked women's soccer beat Utah 2-1 with an 89th-minute goal by Olivia Wade 53 seconds after Utah equalized. I needed it so badly on Saturday night. I needed that distraction too, man. Both goals were by Wade, by the way. Cougars have two weeks off now before the start of conference play. Of note, Jamie Shepard having surgery on her broken hand today. She won't miss any action because two weeks until the first game. 15th-ranked BYU women's volleyball wraps up non-conference play with a sweep of Utah Valley University. 25-16, 25-15, 25-20, dominant home performance. Cougars open up West Coast Conference play against LMU 9 Eastern at the Smithfield House this Thursday. Let's get it going in the WCC. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, which takes us to... BYU and Oregon. Of course, what's trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Following the loss to Oregon, yeah, Jerem. Heard, heard about it. We always look at the stats and we look at trends and you know, compare what BYU has done you know, through the first three games, South Florida, Baylor. Okay, now we've got a little bit of, you know, of, uh, we have some depth to the season, if you will. Okay? I hope BYU does as well. So uh, my question is, what was an anomaly based on the first three games, and what was a trend in BYU's loss at Oregon? Yeah, and let's talk about BYU's performance specifically first. Uh, we hope it's an anomaly. Okay, uh, I felt very confident. You did as well going into the game last week. I thought BYU by 10+. plus. Uh, I would have loved if BYU kept it uh, within 10 at this point. That was, that was tough to lose by uh, 21 like that. We knew that Oregon was good. We just didn't know how good, Spence. Turns out they're very, very good. The skill position players that we talked about being mm. loaded, yeah, they were great. And, and honestly, it was line play in this one, which we'll get to more. Um, defensively, 
BYU was on skates, just blown off the ball. That was tough to watch because BYU was outmanned in this one in a similar fashion to what Baylor was last year, not to the tune of 300 yards, but it was a 200-200 game. Bo Nix, five touchdowns, three on the ground. Like, BYU couldn't stop the run. Uh, the balance was, was crazy. BYU got dominated in the trenches, being down 38-7 in the third, midway through. This game was over a long time before that. In the second quarter, when Jake Oldroyd misses the field goal, and then, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the half, Oregon comes down and scores. That's a game-winning score, by the way. And right there, it was really tough. BYU needed to stop and score to start the second half. They didn't get it. <sighs> BYU just got dominated. This was one of those games where BYU was just, uh, just, just outmanned. Yeah, a couple of things, and it can be this simple. And I haven't talked to Kalani Satake about this, and we'll hear from him in just a few minutes. But BYU's inability to establish the run on offense and the Cougars' inability to stop Oregon's run game was where things, I felt, went off the rails in a hurry. It's, football can be very simple. If you cannot control the line of scrimmage and establish a run game, yeah. and you can't stop the opponent's run game, it's going to be a long afternoon, and that's exactly what it was for BYU. Here's where I also did not, and because I had not experienced it okay, until Saturday, I did not put enough credence into the idea that Oregon had a 20-game home winning streak and had beaten 29 straight non-conference opponents for a reason. I thought, well, the students aren't there. This Oregon team may be a little unsure of themselves after getting blown out by Georgia. BYU seems to be pretty confident the Cougars have heard all week about, you know, how they need to break a week three trend of, you know, losing games and how that's been the most turbulent week. And I thought that they were dialed in. And, you know, there's no jinx in an afternoon game. For whatever reason, Jerem, okay, that afternoon game in week three for BYU, has, it's been a tough one. Get used to afternoon games in the Big 12. In fact, BYU's last yeah. four losses overall have all been afternoon games. That guy who said they're not in the afternoon anymore, he was right. Rip, by the way. <laughs> so th there's something there. And I don't know what has to change for BYU. Uh, sch uh, schematic uh, warm-up, something. I mean, like, I don't know. Warm -up's I don't know. It. Like, just <laughs> the schedule needs, needing to change or something like that. But you, can't, I did, you can't worry about what time the game is played. No, I, did, I did not put enough credit into Oregon playing like a team that was desperate to prove something and doing so in a place where they frankly just do not lose. This, like, was, a, this was a good recipe for them. Think about it. Oh, in comes a team that thinks they're pretty good. And, uh, you know, here, here we are at home. We're good. Oregon were the good ones that felt advantage. disrespected. Yeah. yeah. BYU, okay, BYU plays better as a dog than it does a favorite. I, I think, generally speaking, when it comes to the, bi the big fights where BYU's playing ranked on ranked and it's on the road, obviously a road game's tough. But when BYU's like the 12th ranked, we've just seen this a couple of times. I'm not, it doesn't happen every time. Don't be the superlative person, mm. okay? But BYU, I think, loves the underdog role. Loves it. Okay, second one. Uh, the struggles of the BYU run game. You started to address it. Anomaly or trend? Oh, it's, it's hard to know because Baylor and Oregon both have uh, really, really strong scrimmage play. Tough both games. On the defensive front and with their offensive yeah. line. Both of those teams are built for success in the trenches. So yep. it's difficult to know like, if BYU is trending in a bad way or if they're just facing really really strong opponents i mean we we pointed it out like oh man oregon and baylor and notre dame and arkansas all these teams that BYU are going to face have top 10 offensive lines 
You know, and some of them have top 10 defensive lines. But BYU is one of those top 10, too, as, as well, Smith. So just focus on the offense there. Do you think that's an anomaly or trend? BYU's offensive line. I feel like... And Chris Brooks and Lopini Cato. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, this... To me, it, it's two weeks. Like, you have to see BYU against Wyoming and Utah State. We know what's going to happen there. And even Notre Dame, to a degree. That will tell us. To know, like, okay... Is BYU's offensive line really as ready and good and healthy and strong as we thought they were going into the season? Like we and are we buying into what's being said about okay. them too much? Maybe. Like Maybe. is BYU a top twenty offensive line and and these were tough matchups? You know. Um, I I feel like it's too early to know if this is a trend and based on the opponents. You go Baylor, Oregon, back to back. Well. Like, it's a trend against top 25 teams. Sure, fine. So, so okay, if we want to qualify it as that, yeah, great. So against top 15 Arkansas, teams. Can BYU run the ball? That's going to be – like, if BYU can't run the ball against Arkansas, are they going to win? Maybe because it's home? Like, can BYU pull off a Baylor at home against Arkansas because it's home? A couple numbers. Um, BYU needs to be better, obviously. Christopher Brooks, uh, last two games, 23 carries, 59 yards, 2.6 carry, 1 TD. Certainly those numbers need to be better. His longest run in the last two games is 11 yards. Got to be better. Um, I, I would say um, continue to feed – Christopher Brooks, play better. Get Lopini Cato a few more carries. I think he's earned that as well. And BYU's got to establish the run. There's no way BYU's going to walk out of this regular season 10-2 and against the schedule if they can't establish the run in these games. I think we know what's going to happen the next two games. BYU's going to show up in the run game, win big, we think, against Wyoming and Utah State. Is there a little bit of hubris there against Mountain West Conference teams? Absolutely. Yes, there BYU, should be. Yes, Vegas has... The quantifiable hubris as well of a 22-and-a-half-point line. Yes, BYU is going to be able to run the ball in the next two games. That's not the concern. It's against Notre Dame and Arkansas. Can you do that? We'll find out what BYU really is. We'll see at that point if it's yep. an anomaly or a trend. Okay, how about the defensive side? We saw BYU hold Baylor, who ran the ball 52 times, 52 times against that BYU defensive front for an average of 2.9 yards per carry. Yep. Really, really strong. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the BYU defensive front just seemed to get gashed. I mean, you said it in a phrase that I think is fair. They were on skates. They just were on their heels collectively. Yeah. yeah, they could not stop the Oregon run. So is the defensive front struggling an anomaly or a trend? And there are some injuries that kind of uh, okay, fall into that category as well. Let's address that well. right now. I think if Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney... Tyler Batty and Earl Tuioti go Seattle Mariners plays. I still think BYU loses by 14. I don't think that I think they would have had an impact on the game, but not so much that BYU wins it. Um, I think there are bigger issues here: poor angles, bad tackling, not holding the edge, bad pursuit. Dot dot dot. I think that was an anomaly because I don't think BYU is going to play a team like Oregon again. Uh, certainly, Arkansas is going to be more like Baylor in their power ability. They have speed as well. SEC. But they're going to be beat up coming into Provo. Don't, don't underestimate that part. Notre Dame, I know they're one and two, but still very skilled. They have a lot of four- and five-star guys. Like that is, that is going to be a challenge. But nobody on BYU's schedule, to me, is like Oregon in their ability to dance and, and burn down the field. Uh, I Who don't, else has Barry Sanders-type running backs? That was impressive. On BYU's like, like, we undervalued that and we even mocked that on Friday, going, well, why didn't they score a touchdown against Georgia? Well, because Georgia's freaking awesome. George, That's Georgia's why. in another stratosphere. Yeah, so I go anomaly. 
uh, on those struggles with the front seat. Yes, it's an anomaly, and BYU will get some help back once Earl gets healthy and Tyler, you know, works through his hip issue yeah. and the bruising kind of sl like slows down a little bit. BYU is going to be better on the defensive front. I'm excited to watch BYU over the next three weeks specifically at home, bouncing back, and then what they do against Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Huge I feel like test. will tell us yes. a ton. BYU's going to walk into Vegas 4-1. They're going to win the next two games. Let's go. Okay, next one. Jake Olderoid missing field goals. Anomaly or trend? This is unfortunately a trend. Absolutely. And, and listen, I am going to give Jake the benefit of the doubt because I play golf, and sometimes you go through something called the yips where you just stand over the ball and you're like, I should be able to like hit the ball pretty well, but I have no idea what's going to happen. So, so should BYU use him as the field goal kicker in your opinion? Uh, I feel like... If he has the yips. Against, because he's through the tough part against uh, Baylor and Oregon, and now it's Utah State and Wyoming, like there will be field goal opportunities in much less pressure situations. And there's an opportunity for Jake in a less pressurized situation to just go in and focus on getting back to the basics, right? Just just the mechanics, all of the motions. I don't think it's a physical thing, Spence, as you mentioned. It's I a think mental, it's a mental thing. thing. Yes. Jake and is a capable kicker. Wyoming and Utah State will yeah. allow, the games against Wyoming and Utah State should allow Jake to rediscover just that confidence and those mechanics and get out of his mind, right? Yeah. It is a trend right he really now. He needs him. He's got the yips, yeah. and he can work through that in the next two games. BYU really could have used that field goal to a, in, that, in that moment in the game to what that would have cut it to a seven-point game, I think. It was a ten-point game. That would have been nice. There's uh, a natural break. If you score, there's a timeout. Maybe BYU gets stopped more Crowd kind of calms down a little bit. It's a seven-point game. I still don't think BYU wins the game with that main Probably field goal. Probably not. But that missed field goal did a lot to demoralize BYU and obviously Jake. I think BYU still needs Jake. It's just whether they're going to give Justin Smith a shot or at the 30, uh, at the 30 uh, in its fourth and four, are you just going for it sure. at this point? Had, BYU, had BYU needed to kick another field goal in the game against Oregon, I absolutely would have, would have run Justin Smith onto the field. Say, in that Jake, situation. Jake, it's okay. Okay. You're, like, you don't have it right now. You will go in He forward. needs to get back. BYU needs him back. All right, let's finish with Mentally. this. Uh, is this an anomaly or a trend in Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney not playing? Well, it's a trend because yes. it's been three games that without is the Gunner, answer. two without Puka. Yes. The hope is you get Puka soon. Gunnar's injury is a little more serious. I know people on Twitter are saying, is it an it? Yes, it's an injury. It's an injury. Uh, it's not an off-the-field issue. No. It's an injury um, that's a little more serious that he's dealing with. So, yes, it's a trend because they've missed multiple games now. Uh, again, I believe that Puka believed 100% after the Baylor game he was going to play against Oregon. And it wouldn't have made a difference, in my opinion, enough to win the game. So it's okay that you rested him. And again, if you were going to lose a game, Spence, this was the game to lose. This, this team wasn't good enough to go undefeated all year. So this was the game to lose. Yes. Now, now you can get back into it at home. You got no, more on this coming up Tuesday and Wednesday, of course. But this, if you had to lose a game, this was it. Obviously, we don't like how BYU lost the game. But if you're going to lose one and you have to, that was the one to lose. Yeah, based on my interactions with Puka and with the BYU coaches after the Oregon game, I would be shocked if he does not take the field against Wyoming. Which is interesting because Shocked. now it's like, well, does BYU need him against Wyoming and Utah State? Well, maybe they want to work him back in, get him kind of in the flow a little bit again. I don't know sure. how much he's going to play. 
but I would be shocked if he doesn't play at least a little. And I feel the same way about Gunnar Romney. He wasn't played at all this season. And I feel yeah. like Wyoming and Utah State are games that Gunnar needs to kind of get back into the flow before you take on Notre Dame and yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. So I, I expect both of those guys to play at least a little bit against okay. Wyoming. Okay, topic two. Let's recap our game day guarantees. How'd you do this week? Uh, two for three. I wish I were wrong in one of them. <laughs> I said as much when I put out the guarantee on Friday, like, oh, man, if Oregon's leading at halftime, I hope I'm wrong and that the halftime lead and that team that holds that time will win the game. But certainly, um, yeah, Oregon led at halftime in a big way 24-7 and not surprisingly held on to win the game. I also said BYU will have more passing yards than Oregon. I thought, yeah, Jaron Hall is going to throw out throw Bo Nix because Bo Nix has so many weapons around him and Oregon has so many different running backs. Like, he's not going to throw a ton. He threw more than I thought he would have had more success. Well, in the, because in the BYU game. was behind the whole time. And because BYU couldn't stop the run. When you yeah. can't stop the run, everything opens up for an opponent, right? Well, and when you can't run, you're going to pass. Sure. Yeah. So I was right. The BYU did have more passing yards than Oregon, 305 to 227. And the team leading at halftime would win the game, which was Oregon. I said Bo Nix was going to turn the ball over at least once. Bo Nix did not turn the ball over, but frankly, he was not. There was no adversity for him. There was yeah, no it was Ty Thompson who threw the interception. There was no yeah. real pressure on Bo Nix no. the whole game. No. The only pressure was uh, in pregame when he ran out. Okay, uh, I went one for three. I uh, stinketh uh, to me. Bo Nix will throw a pick. Uh, still didn't. Christopher Brooks will have a touchdown. He did. And it was a lucky one that was reviewed because Jaron Hall gets tripped up a little bit, stumbles, <laughs> fumbles into Christopher Brooks who rushed for a touchdown. Crazy. And uh, I said BYU would win by double figures. I really felt confident about the experience of BYU, what we saw against Baylor, that they would respond in a great way. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And it wasn't even close to that. Uh, Oregon dominated BYU in this Man, game. Man, it, it was tough to watch. Watson, desperation of the Oregon team looking to prove that they are still a really good team. Like, now I look back on it, I was like, man, BYU's kind of walking into a buzzsaw. Like that play, they were chomping at the bit to prove that they are still Oregon. And Oregon, indeed, then, is then still match Oregon. it next time. Then meet it. Whew. Our question of the day was BYU's performance against Oregon an anomaly? Hopefully. Maybe you think it was a trend. Let's hear from you and go to Voice of the Nation. And the first response in from Tyson Peterson on Twitter he says, not an anomaly. I think this was a mathematical equation. Really? We're a, just playing the numbers. Away game in a hostile environment with banged up BYU players equals a loss. Well, then why didn't we say this on Friday then? Like as a fan base. I don't, I don't think. Because BYU beat Baylor without Puka Nakua and Baylor Romney. Uh, Gunner. We, sorry, Gunner. Sorry, we, and Gunner we felt Romney. confident. Yes. And Tyler Batty sat up the whole second half. We felt like, Oh, yeah, okay. And this BYU team's too experienced. Why wouldn't they go in and win that game? Well, they couldn't stop the run or know. run. This is tough. 1990 Ty Detmer, they beat Miami in Provo, Jerem, and then lost to Oregon, an unranked Oregon team. 1996, BYU beats Texas A&M. They got no, started. No more Oregon. Woo! They lose to Washington in the Pacific Northwest. <sighs> Coming up at 2 Eastern, Greg Rebell will be joined by Ed Lamb and Elijah Tuyak for Coordinator's Corner as they discuss will happen as well. Look ahead to the Wyoming game. It's on BYU TV app and BYUSN.com. Coming up at 2 Eastern. Uh, I had some great conversations with Kalani Satake and Jaron Hall in the post-game report. If you missed those conversations, telling commentary from the quarterback and coach, those are up next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. 
We are live in Studio B on a Monday. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play as promised. Now to the conversations I had with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake and Jaron Hall. I spoke with Satake just after BYU's loss at Oregon outside the BYU locker room and began the conversation with this question. Where did BYU most miss the mark against Oregon? Oh, in a lot of different places. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by us not playing at our best, and that's my job as a head coach, to get our guys um, clicking on all, on all cylinders and making sure that we're firing and, and playing the type of football that we're used to. And, and uh, I just didn't think our guys really got it going, especially at the beginning, you know. And so uh, we have to evaluate everything, especially. but it all starts with me. i got to figure out a way to get the most out of these guys. But if I'm looking at something that, that's glaring, uh, on defense, I'm really frustrated at the fundamentals of the game, tackling. Uh, that, that's something that I felt like we made a lot of mistakes too. And, and if I'm looking at offense, it's just finishing drives, um, special teams. You know, obviously we, we uh, did, weren't really a factor in there in the, with special teams, but uh, I think we, there's a lot of places to, to address and looking forward to getting better. And, and I apologize to all the Cougar fans, you know, that we're here and then those that are watching on TV because we're, we're a lot better than that. And that's, I got I to gotta find a way to get it better. Ben Bywater mentioned to me that uh, you almost anticipated that Oregon, because they're so athletic and, and skilled on the outside, that maybe they might bounce for more plays and, and things have been a little softened up in the middle. Did they do something to surprise you today? No, I, just, I think they made the plays and we, we didn't. And I, I think they took advantage of their, what they thought would be the, their um, advantage and that's with their skill in space and I don't know I don't think we did a good job of there and then on on offense they, I think they wanted to shut down the run and they did and that, that makes you one dimensional and so we weren't able to play a balanced a balanced game and and uh, you know that, that's really hard to do when you're trying to play a, a ranked team at home you know that, that has a win streak and so we're trying to find a way to disrupt this and find a way to get a win and you can't do that when when they when they get what they want we don't get what we want. What type of mentality do you have right now after going through a tough, frustrating loss like that as, as you try and turn the page to Wyoming next week? Oh, we, we keep going back to our culture, love and learn. We, uh, I want our guys to feel gratitude and appreciation for this, this game that they get to play and the people they get to represent. And so um, that, that, regardless of the result, I want our guys to focus on our culture and find ways to, to be tough and, and find ways to serve and help others. And so... I encourage them after this to go in, in, embrace their families and love them up and smile because that's what tough guys do, you know, but but also encourage them that we'll figure this out and find a way to make it better. I love Kalani. It'd be good to get this guy back on the field someday. So I was just going to ask you about that. What's the status update on Puka? Because I know a lot of people are excited to have him back on the field, including you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were missing a, a number of players today, and obviously not having Batty on D-line and not having um, Earl there with us that hurts too so not having gunner and not having a puka hurts but um you know i it's it's not one player it's it's more than anything i i just got to find a way to do a better job as a coach and get our guys ready so um and and i'm committed to doing that and, and want to make the fans happy and, and we we fell short today so i apologize for that you said to me personally this game will humble you really quickly yeah. and that, that's part of the deal is it as simple as in some ways stopping the run and then the inability to establish a run in this game it's usually pretty simple and that's like the answer in everything right uh, um, for us to just look at the simple things that we can control and then uh and then learn from them and get better and so i i know one thing we got to do it with loving each other and um showing appreciation and gratitude and 
Uh, I think those those emotions happen when you come into this situation and you lose games. You you focus on on the things that you get to. You still can count your blessings right now. So. Uh, we're, we're lucky that we get another game next week, and it's at home, so I'm looking forward to returning back to Laval Edwards Stadium. Coach, we appreciate your patience and composure and, and coming out and doing interviews in situations like this. Always love you guys. Go Cougs. Appreciate you guys. Kalani Satake post-game following the Oregon loss, and, and Jeremy used some strong words right there, right? beginning with straight up, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Embarrassed, yeah. Like, that's pretty telling. Right? Yeah, and, and you, you could tell when uh, you know, he was down about that. Because BYU didn't just get beat. They got really beat in this game, and that was tough. This was, this was Baylor last year. This was mm. uh, a game where BYU was outmanned, and that doesn't happen a ton, Spence. BYU's gone to Wisconsin, USC, Tennessee, won games, right? So that's tough. Uh, that's tough pill to swallow. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to repeat it. If you had to lose a game, and let's be honest, is BYU going to go undefeated this year? Sure. No. That was okay. But it's not okay how BYU yeah. lost that game. Yeah. You can't get out physical. BYU is a a physical team, and, and they got beat up there. They've got to respond on both sides of the ball in the trenches this week. Yeah, the way BYU lost yes. is what prompted Kalani to say embarrassed mm -hmm. and apologize to the fans. I also spoke with BYU quarterback Jaron Hall and began that conversation by asking which factors caused stalled drives in the first half and why BYU was able to finish some drives in the second half. What changed there? Here's Jaron Hall. I'm going to have to go back and watch the film. You know, we didn't really have an answer for what was going on. Other, we, just weren't, we just weren't making plays, you know, plain and simple. I didn't do a good enough job getting the ball to our guys on third downs, and, and you know, a lot of that's on me, so i got to be better. Um, you know, we'll just have to really I just look at the film and see what it was. When you go through an experience like this, tough to know, like, how to build from that and be positive after that. Sometimes it's beneficial to just dwell in it and be frustrated. So what's your mentality right now in this moment? Yeah, let it burn. I think it shows the love. You know, a lot of, a lot of you know, dudes in here that are still fired up and ready to go next week. And, and so, you know, obviously you're going you're gonna to fill this one a little bit. But uh, that's football. And I think if you feel it, it means you love it. You're doing it for the right reasons. So um, watch the film on the plane, get home, and, you know, enjoy the night, take care of our bodies, and get back Monday. Look forward to Wyoming. Where do you feel like this team needs to be better the most to get ready for Wyoming? She got to be more explosive. We got to score points early. The last two games, we're putting a lot on our defense, and that's not that's not the way you know the team football's played. So we got to do better on offense. We got to take advantage of what we're given, and we just got to score more points. Cody Epps, you connect with him on his first touchdown pass. Uh, asked him his perspective there. Um, I know a lot of guys were happy, especially on the team, to see him get in the end zone. What did that mean for you and the Cougars to have Cody in the end zone? It was cool to see him in there. That dude has gone through so much the last two years, you know, since COVID coming and playing a little bit and getting hurt. So to see him in that spot, making making the right, you know, just doing his assignment, getting open, making a great catch, it's, it's fun. For, you know, Cody's a guy we all love, we all trust, and it's, just, it's fun to see a guy like that get his first, I think it was his first touchdown reception, right? Yep, yep. Um, it's pretty sweet. Coach Satake uh, apparently didn't say much to you, but what did he tell you, the team? He told us to love each other, um, plain and simple, pick each other up. Just remember why we do it. Remember why it hurts because, you know, we got some good stuff going for us. So I think if we didn't think much about it and we were fine, it would mean that we really aren't in the right headspace, mean that we're not working towards the right goal. But, you know, I think a lot will be said about, you know, the character of our team and, and what we're really working for and how we respond. Was this more about Oregon being great or just uh, BYU not being good enough? That was a great team. Anybody watched the film, we knew they were going to be good. Um, I mean, hats off to them. We knew they'd be prepared. We just didn't play good enough today, you know, so, so um, yeah, it's got to be better. Jaron, good luck against Wyoming next week. Long season. Look forward to it. Thank you very much.
Yeah, and I think it's important to acknowledge that Oregon was really good there instead of just like, we didn't do this. Like, Oregon's good. And by the way, Jaron Hall, good numbers again. His numbers um, obviously are you're coming from behind. You're throwing. But I was most impressed by the throws he was making. Sure. Some incredible NFL throws. Like, yes. he put NFL film out there. Yes. It's going to get him drafted. Yeah, and I'm not sure what else BYU fans want him to do. Your defense gives up six. I want him to straight, run a little more. Six his, straight scoring drives. His longest rush was six yards. I want a little more from Jaron in the run game if BYU can't establish a run like that. Okay, coming up after further review breaks down the game as well. What do they want to see out of Jaron Hall and company and the offensive line and so on? Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon will break it down tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV. Plus, BYU a major, major home favorite. We'll tell you by just how much, according to the experts in the desert, coming up on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Interact with the show by following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, BYU Sports Nation. He is Jeremiah Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Spence, BYU's a 22.5-point favorite this weekend against Wyoming. Does that seem high to you? No, it doesn't. I feel like BYU is a team scorned. They are angry. BYU is now the team that Oregon was coming home, desperate to prove that they're still really good. They'll hear all week about how much they got their butts kicked. They're going to come out fired up and ready to prove something against Wyoming. And I know Wyoming beat Air Force. Air Force had 37 players sick during the week and six starters out. And, and Tulsa. I mean, they're, they're a, a decent 3-1. and one. It says more about Wyoming than BYU, I think, that Wyoming isn't good. I expect BYU to cover that. I just think that line feels a little high. I'm okay with yeah. it. I'm okay with it. ESPN's Mark Schleybaugh has BYU playing Memphis in the first responder bowl. Well, well, well. Against Memphis. Does a chance to get revenge on Memphis make this an attractive bowl matchup? Can we box after as well? <laughs> Can Kinda Kua carry out the alumni I, flag? I, if that... <laughs> I think that has to happen if BYU plays. That would be awesome. Uh, I like the matchup just because Memphis yeah. is a quality team. Absolutely. It's been eight years since that game, so I don't really feel Eight years? I don't really feel the, Holy the revenge. Like the revenge, no, it's, it's no been revenge. eight years, like whatever. That was such a yeah. sour way to end that year. True, but. true, but it's been eight years, so whatever. More sour, that or you, Avery? Oh, man. <laughs> we'll discuss. Never. Yeah. Uh, what does soccer's win over Utah do for the team's confidence moving forward? Aaron, they closed out a game. Granted, it was weird. Finally. It was weird. I don't care how. Because they Just surrendered a goal late again, but BYU finally closed out a game. Fourth time BYU has allowed an equalizing or go-ahead weird. goal in the final 10 minutes of the game. So it's 89th weird. minute, Utah scores, and then 53 seconds later, sister Olivia Wade. Yes. Gets the win. She had a brace. They scored twice, right? It was yeah. Rachel McCarthy. I thought twice. Rachel McCarthy got a touch there, so I yeah. called McCarthy. No, no, no. Everyone is running to Sister Wade. And Brecken Zingo uh, assisted both of those goals. How good is Brecken Zingo? Brecken's goal streak goes down, but she has assist. They needed this win. They needed to close out a win. This is huge for their count. That was massive. Uh, Jerem, apparently Kalani Satake is a candidate for the Arizona State job. This according to ESPN. What's the word that describes Kalani Satake being thrown into the Arizona State head coaching job mix? Unrealistic. Because he turned down both Oregon and Washington last year. How about that? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say straight up nonsense. It is nonsense. Like, take his name off that. Uh, Herm Edwards always said, when you're going to send a tweet out, 
better make sure you know what you, don't press in. Like if it's emotional, don't press. In that instance, whoever sent that tweet out with Kalani Sitake's name in it should not have pressed in. Because but, that is nonsense. By the way, many people felt like I shouldn't have said the, uh, I tweeted BYU, or Oregon takes down the Pac-12 South champ. I got it in for the last time, people. The last time. <laughs> BYU football's Kalani Sitake is tomorrow night on the BYU TV app as the defending Pac-12 South champ coach Kalani Sitake breaks down the game against Oregon. Ben Bywater in the film room, Lapini Katoa is the guest, and Deep Blue features Isaac Rex, 8.30 Eastern tomorrow. Can I still wear my de facto Pac-12 champs t-shirt? Yeah, you, we don't have to burn the shirts. Right. ESPN's Trevor Maddich answers uh, this question. What should BYU fans be concerned about most after the loss at Oregon? He talks about a lot more than that, too. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B on a Monday. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Joining us now for another Maddich Monday is ESPN college football insider and expert Trevor Maddich. And there are a lot of things I love about Trevor. One of them is the fact that win or lose for BYU, he is always ready to go on Monday. Trevor, welcome back after a tough BYU loss. We hope that you manage to find some light in another uh, otherwise uh, kind of dim weekend for BYU. Yeah, there, there is some light. It feels horrible, and it was horrible in most ways, but there are also some good things that the Cougars can build off of. And so this, this was one game, and if they use it correctly, it'll make them better in the future. Okay, our question of the day. Was that an anomaly, or is that a trend uh, for BYU in the performance against Oregon? Because we saw two very different versions of the Cougars the last two weeks. We did, and the thing is, I think the anomaly, I think, is the defensive line. I mean, Oregon's front seven is one of the best in college football. I mean, they have they have stars and disrupting playmakers at defensive line and linebacker, and you saw it in that game, and so it was a tough challenge for BYU, but I think I think they can correct that on the offensive line. To me, the, the more of the situation they have to deal with is depth on the defensive front. Because without playing with their top two defensive ends, Oregon executed a, a brutal game plan to attack those defensive ends, to attack those edges now. Because not only do you lose the talent of the top two, you lose the depth in the rotation. And Oregon came in there with six offensive linemen sometimes, three tight ends, with one of them at a fullback. I mean, they had heavy formations, and they just came downhill hard. And BYU's D-line just wasn't able to to hold up to that overall. And that created sort of a snowballing effect for the, the back seven because normally the defensive line needs to hold up those blockers at the line of scrimmage and allow the linebackers to run. Normally the defensive line needs to get pressure on the quarterback so that the, the secondary doesn't need to cover for as long as they normally you know would have to without a pass rush. And the defensive line wore down fairly quickly in this game. I think that's a matter of continuing to build the depth. Now, the depth on the D-line is better now than it has been in a long time. But I think we saw in going against an, an elite offensive line with uh, a, a, just a vicious game plan to take advantage of, of every weakness in terms of injury, we can see where they need to improve. Trevor, at what point, speaking of anomalies and trends, should BYU fans start to be concerned about BYU's inability to establish a run game? Granted, they have played Baylor and Oregon. 
two top 15 teams in back-to-back weeks. So I know that it's weighted a different way, but when should BYU fans start to get concerned about BYU's lack of run production over the past two weeks? If it continues after they get Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney back at receiver, then they should start to get concerned. Because, again, we talk about snowballing effects. This is a very good offensive line for BYU. It is one of the most talented in the country. There's no question. The running backs of BYU are capable. The The problem exists when you're down your top two receivers and defenders don't respect your ability to burn them down the field on a consistent basis. So they're able to crowd the line of scrimmage. They're able to attack the line of scrimmage in crazy ways with safeties. They're able to, to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do if they had a legitimate fear of getting burned over the top if they tried it. And so that that's something that hurts BYU the last two weeks and not having their top two receivers. The, uh, the, the thing for BYU fans to watch in the running game is once they get a full complement of edge weapons back, then if BYU can't run the ball, they should darn well be able to consistently burn people over the top. But if they can't do that and they still can't run, now we have a problem. And certainly BYU, one of the more aggressive teams in scheduling in the country in the first three weeks. Not too many teams played two ranked teams. Oregon did. BYU did. Not many others. Now BYU plays uh, Wyoming this week that's 3-1 and one, and Utah State who lost to Weber State a couple of weeks ago by 28. Do you expect BYU to bounce back in a major way as a heavy favorite this Saturday against Wyoming and next week against Utah State? I do, just because I expect them to treat this week of practice like they would any other. I don't expect them to get down and let Oregon beat them twice. And in watching tape of Wyoming, they will see that they better be ready to go. Their preparation had better not be influenced by the negative emotions coming out of Eugene because Wyoming is a better team than people give them credit for. I mean, they lost their opener to Illinois, but since then they've ripped off two or three straight. Their last game last week was against Air Force. Air Force had been averaging 400 yards on the ground, almost 396 yards on the ground. Wyoming held Air Force to 171 yards rushing and beat them 17 to 14 with a fourth quarter long drive after which they stopped Air Force in their attempt to answer that drive. So this Wyoming team is very balanced on offense. The rushing defense has shown to be very capable, and this is nobody's cupcake just because it's not Oregon or Baylor. It's a Maddich Monday on BYU Sports Nation with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. I heard a couple of your ESPN colleagues, Scott Van Pelt and Kirk Herstory, specifically on Saturday night, talking about BYU's top two receivers being out. Trevor, if Pukunukua and Gunnar Romney had played against Oregon how much of a difference would that have made for BYU's offense? It would have made it a much more competitive game. But I think it's very important that we not make excuses and take away from Oregon what they did. Oregon had played a phenomenal game. The, the game planning was great. Their individual players did a fantastic job of matching up and then often beating the guy on the other side. BYU fought. They fought hard. And they did a lot of good things in that game. But you've got to give Oregon credit. But if those two guys had been there, if the top two defensive ends had been there, it would have been a much more competitive game because a lot of people were saying that BYU is just overrated. Well, you got to look more deeply into that. I don't think BYU was overrated. I think they had some obstacles that turned into a perfect storm when they faced a very, very good Oregon team that people disregarded because of what happened to them against Georgia. And keep this in mind that Georgia is doing that to everybody. Yeah. It seems like you can't really judge teams this year by how they do against Georgia, because you can be one of the best teams <laughs> in the country and still get absolutely annihilated by those Bulldogs. So I think Oregon is a much, 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 much better team than they got credit for because people overreacted to what happened in week one to them. 
Yeah, we knew Oregon was good. We just didn't know how good. Well, it turns out they're very good. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that in, in the Pac-12. Now we look at BYU and the rest of the season, Trevor. I said last week I felt very confident that BYU could go and win this game, win by double figures. They didn't. I also mentioned that if you're going to lose a game for BYU, and let's be honest, BYU was going to lose one, two, or maybe three games in the regular season at least, is that this was an acceptable loss. Now, the way BYU lost, not acceptable, but an acceptable loss. Now BYU has one loss. They hope to take care of business at home and be 4-1 going into Vegas against a Notre Dame team that's really struggled. Cal almost got them at home. They were almost 0-3, and then Arkansas had a real scare at home against Missouri State. What do you see with BYU and the rest of the regular season at this point? Well, they can get some of their guys back, and if they stay healthy, BYU has a chance to still have a historically great season. But let's not discount Wyoming. Wyoming, if BYU gets that win, it'll be a good win. But we talked about how BYU needs to learn the lessons of this Oregon loss and carry them forward. I think the, the biggest lesson is the culture. Because it was clearly Oregon's day from the very beginning for a variety of reasons, but BYU kept battling. At the end, the starters stayed in. Timeouts were being called. BYU kept fighting because there's a culture that Coach Sataki wants to make sure gets reinforced with every game, with every play. And it, BYU came up on the short end of the scoreboard on this one against an outstanding Oregon team. But the culture, I think, took a step forward because it's easy to blow teams out. It's fun. It's great when you're when you're winning. When you're losing, who are you? Do you wilt? Do you take a step back? And BYU did not wilt. They did not take a step back. And so even though they lost the game, I think their culture notched the win because of the way they responded to that adversity. Now, going forward, that needs to show up in preparation. Going forward, that needs to show up in focus. And it needs to show up in camaraderie. And we'll know about that as they go through the rest of this season. But if they take those lessons, BYU certainly has the talent, if they get some of their guys back, to do some historically great things this year, even after this emotionally ugly loss. Trevor, over the past few weeks, I couldn't help but personally admire what home field can do for a team. In BYU's case against Baylor, certainly the home field advantage was in full effect. BYU goes to Autzen Stadium the Ducks have won 21 straight games at Autzen Stadium, including beating BYU, and 30 straight in the non-conference. And I was in awe there, too, just how much life it can give to a team. I'm looking at what BYU has in front of them. A couple of home games against Wyoming and Utah State. A neutral game against Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Who knows how many Notre Dame fans are going to show up for that. And then they get Arkansas in Provo. In your opinion... How much does home field matter in college football? Because right now, to me, with this team and this fan base for BYU, it feels like it matters a ton. Well, I'll give you two of the reasons it matters. One is that players in college aren't as experienced in traveling and how to stay focused when you've got all the distractions of traveling. That's one thing. Another thing for BYU is that you've got the altitude. And that matters. I mean, coaches try to tell their players that going to play at over 4,000 feet doesn't matter. Uh, it, actually, it does matter. I mean, I'm a pilot. And airplanes, normally aspirated engine airplanes, in other words, not turbocharged, perform differently at 4,000 feet than they do at sea level. It's a, it's a big difference as time goes on in those games. And then the big thing for BYU's home field advantage, and it is one of the best home field advantage in college football as far as I'm concerned, is the fans. And I would go to what Baylor fans said after they lost to BYU in Provo. There was a lot of commentary on Twitter from Baylor fans saying that BYU's fans understand the job and they perform it well. So what's the job? 
the job is to help your team and make it hard for the other team to make it make it so loud that they can't function. And that is what BYU fans do. And when you put all those things together, I think BYU has a home field advantage that's greater than than many, if not most, other college football teams. Trevor, as always, great commentary, great insight into college football in general and certainly to what happened between BYU and Oregon and what the Cougars face moving forward. Thanks, as always, for the time. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. It's the first Maddich Monday where we have addressed a BYU loss, and so certainly a different. It was going to happen, there. yeah. <laughs> and and like I said, and, and earlier in the show, BYU was going to lose this season. It was just, hey, if you can get that one, the conversation's yeah. pretty interesting. I I don't think a playoff is in the cards for BYU anytime soon. New Year's Six would certainly be special, and that opportunity still exists if BYU can figure it out. And certainly you have challenges coming up, but you do, the next two weeks, those are very winnable games at home. Get back on track. Yeah, certainly. A 12-team playoff, now we're talking for a team like this from BYU. Potentially. But that's, a, pro- few, that's a few years away. Yes, and when you're in a Power 5 league. When you're right. in a Power 5 league. Okay, coming up, uh, watch uh, all your BYU content from shows to games, Deep Blue, it's all at one place. Whatever you want to come up next can come up next on BYUSN.com. <laughs> and the outcome of our fantasy picks for week three. Did I remain unbeaten even after a BYU loss? I think so. Or does Jerem get his first win? I need Christopher Brooks to uh, run for more years. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Make sure you download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio app or subscribe to the podcast and listen to it on 2X. Subscribe rate and review. Time to recap BYUSN Fantasy Football Friday results. I had won the first two weeks. Jerem looking for his first win. I expect week. you to have won this because I'm not getting jack squat from Christopher Brooks and company, although he scored a touchdown. Now, each week we pick three players of the seven on our rosters to yep. start. Points are awarded on offense for yards gained, touchdowns, defensively for tackles, TFL, sacks, takeaways, TDs, and field goals and extra points, obviously, on special teams. We do not look up the points until we see them live with you Okay, so right now. Uh, okay. It's, ti- it's time to reveal okay. the results. Uh, my team first. I went with uh, Jaron Hall, Max Tooley, and yep. Taysom Hill. Yep. I, I okay. don't know. I, I mean, Jaron Hall was great. Jaron Hall the was other great. Two, Jaron's going to carry you here, yeah. Oh, 24 okay. points? This 24 thing's over. 24 points. This thing's over! From Jaron Hall. 324 total yards, two touchdowns, 24. Max Tooley had yeah. eight tackles. Okay, that's eight, eight points. Eight, eight that's solid. solid. That's solid. Taysom Hill, 14 Taysom gave you total one yards point. is one point. One okay? point. So no, I'm going to get destroyed was here. Was 33 enough? Dece- 33? That'd be a season high, right? Well, you, I mean, listen, Chris Brooks scored a touchdown. Ben yeah. Byron yes, had an interception. Did. True, but uh, four points in the interception. Okay, my guys, I'm going to lose here. Okay, 11 from – see, I need Christopher Brooks to, to do more. Okay. 88 total yards, solid. That's not terrible. And, and a touchdown. Touch. I, I need him to be in, like, almost 20, though. Mm. That's what I really need. Otherwise, I can't hang with Jaron because I've got – and Lopini had one point. Zach Wilson needs to save me here. Is he back this week? When Zach Wilson plays, I held on to him. Is he back this week? And and should I have played Chase Roberts? It wouldn't have made a difference. In this. So Woo! I'm down 0-3. I'm, I, I got a huge hill to climb here. Like – 
the Appalachian Mountains kind of hills. You know okay, okay. So it's three and a long season, my friend. It's not that long. long We're a quarter season. of the way through. Long season. It's not that long. 13 games. You got 10 more, including a bowl game. <sighs> but I don't want to have to win like <laughs> seven in a row. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, question of the day was BYU's, Brooks, let's go! was BYU's performance against Oregon an anomaly or are we seeing some trends? Neenstead answers on Instagram, Oregon is tough to beat at home and is probably the more talented team. BYU is still missing its top two receivers didn't help. I, I, go ahead. Hoping BYU would compete better but not surprised by the result. I think if Puka and Gunner are fully healthy, maybe the BYU offense goes tit for tat. But, like, it's tough to expect that the defense would somehow be influenced by those two guys on offense. They'd be a little more rested. Maybe if Jake Olderin makes that field goal, things here and there, maybe you get a pick. I don't know. I just maybe BYU scores on the opening drive when you have those two weapons on the field. I just feel like uh, Oregon was going to be the better team that day almost every time they would have played that game. Hard, it's, it's hard. And hard. Tyler Batty and Earl, notable players. Yeah. There, there were bigger issues. Six consecutive drives scoring for Oregon. Like The defense has just got to be better. Right. You and the offense it. needs to establish the run. Let's go. Today's rise and – well, wait, correction. Let's go to our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. This comes from at Chaplain Schumann who answers, yes, an anomaly. Check the bell curve. This is an outlier. Look out, Cowboys. That's what we hope and expect uh, is that that was that and that this will be this uh, this week with Wyoming – Utah State, and then we're going to see what BYU is really made of against Notre Dame and Arkansas. All right, today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. First to BYU for placing flowers at the four-yard line to honor Spencer Webb, who died in a tragic recreation accident, the, the Oregon tight end. And then to run out an Oregon flag, Kingsley Suomataia doing so to the 50-yard yeah. line and over the sideline. That really resonated with the Ducks fan base. And then, honestly, thanks to Oregon for apologizing for the, for the vulgar chant uh, at, at Mormon. Uh, that is appreciated. USC also did this last year uh, in the final regular season. Let's be better. It's love and lift. Absolutely. All right, our thanks to today's guest, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Sorry to Dennis, no time. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Thor Salanoa. We'll see you at 2 Eastern for a brand new episode of Coordinator's Corner with Greg Rebell and the Cougar Coordinators. Go Cougs! There are things.